This week on Holy Chit, a spiritual podcast about the chit that happens every Sunday at the Ventura Center for Spiritual Living. We listen to some old chit from May 23, 2021. The title of this talk is Why We Serve. Here's Bonnie Rose. Uh, one of the things that we're, that we're doing in terms of evolving the center is that looking at this as a time of great reinvention. Now, I've been talking about this for a couple of weeks now, and I'm going to continue to talk about it because we still don't know what we're doing, do we? I mean, it's, it's going to be a church still, but we don't know what kind of a church it's going to be. And my, my intention, my hope, and the folks that I'm working with, um, and that ripple, that circle will continue to expand, is that, is that this event that happened in our lives, this pandemic for over a year, um, happened for a lot of reasons. We can come up with all kinds of bad reasons why it happened, but one of the, the positive things is that it gives us an opportunity to do things differently and to, and to reinvent and to, to bring forth a church, a church that's, that's greater and that serves greater, in a greater capacity to the community or to people that we haven't even reached yet via the tech or whatever. I'm just open to it, just staying open to whatever spirit wants the center to be, then I will be it and I trust that we will all be it together. That's kind of exciting, right? That we're in this place of, of I was going to say like a pregnant pause, but I don't know what pregnant, I can't really relate to pregnant, but maybe some of you can. But, you know, we're about, to, we're, okay, I'm going to get gross now. We're about to give birth to something, something better than it used to be, right? Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm rusty. I haven't done that for a while. But anyway, so... In part of the reinvention process, there, there was a core of us that was here every single Sunday for a year or so, and, and uh, two practitioners, me, and two non-practitioners who are um, well-schooled in spirituality sat down and we created this prayer. Now, the prayer is not really open to the public yet because I need to have the practitioners vet it first and make sure that it resonates with them because they're going to be holding the bulk of the praying for the center. The practitioners, in case you don't know, are our prayer ministers. But anyway, one of the lines in the prayer is, Divine Beloved, inspire us to bring the kingdom to the garden. Divine Beloved, inspire us to bring us the kingdom to the garden. To bring the kingdom to the garden. <laughs> Divine Beloved, inspire us to bring the kingdom to the garden. Now, there was a little bit of talk about whether or not anybody was going to have a problem with that phraseology. So if, if you have um, a problem with that, would you please stand up and expose yourselves? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I didn't mean that way. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, don't need that. <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, I, I don't exactly know what the... What the the issues were with it. There was some conversation about it, but one of the reasons I love it is that to me, the, calling the earth a garden, the Garden of Eden, it's from a song, song by our sister Joni Mitchell, who's behind, the, uh, behind the, the TV there. We've got to bring ourselves back to the garden. It's from Woodstock, right? And I just love thinking of the earth as a garden. And really what it means is bringing heaven to earth. It's bringing heaven to earth or bringing spirit into matter. And so that's what we're doing here in this spiritual center is actualizing spirit and bringing it into matter, making it real, because it really is all one. And then fortunately, because I love the line so much, I got my brother, Joel Goldsmith, who was a contemporary of Ernest Holmes, to back me up on this, just to you know, amplify my own authority on this. And brother Joel Goldsmith wrote, heaven and earth are not two different places. Heaven and earth are one and the same. Earth is merely our mortal concept of heaven, and heaven 
is our real awareness of the earth. Heaven is our real awareness with the earth. In, under, in other words, if the, if the kingdom of heaven is understood correctly, then the kingdom of heaven is already here on earth. We just have to cultivate the awareness to be able to see it. Now, some folks may have trouble with the word kingdom because it's, it's turned into something that's sort of oh, empire-like and imperialistic. But the kingdom of heaven is very different than that. Kingdom is not as the world knows it. Kingdom is as spirit knows it. And I think of the kingdom of heaven as the kingdom of grace and the kingdom of humility. So what if we were bring, to bring the kingdom of grace and humility into all of our activities here on the planet Earth, into this center, into our individual lives, and trusting that all three of those things impact each other and create a world of grace and humility where all beings are part of the garden, respected and beautiful parts of the garden. And part of the way that we do that, part of the way that we actualize the kingdom of heaven on earth, or part of the way that we actualize the kingdom in the garden is through the divine practice of service. Now, I posted a question on Facebook about service, and I realized, okay, some of this might be preaching to the choir, okay? Is anybody literally in the choir here? <laughs> yeah, me too. So, <laughs> Anyway, metaphorically, preaching to the choir. <laughs> but I have noticed in myself, and perhaps in others, that sometimes service is a bit transactional and a little bit um, impure. <laughs> And the reason that I bring this up so as not to humiliate myself right off the bat with my own transactional service and impurities, and when I say impurities, I mean comedy, <laughs> the comedy of being human. The reason I, I actually thought about this, about transactional service and impure service, has to do with the relationship that I have with two monks that, that work at the Buddhist Zen Center up north. And I, I have permission to tell this story. But when these two monks were new at the Zen Center in Berkeley, it's a bowing practice. So they do three steps, and then they get on the ground. I'm not going to do it right now because I, you know, I may like it down there and not get up again. But <laughs> they get on the bow, and they bow completely down on their knees. And the purpose of that is, of course, to get your head beneath your heart. And it's an act of humility and an act of grace and an act of sur surrender. And they believe that, that that devoted spiritual practice blesses not only them, blesses the monastery, but also blesses the whole world. So anyway, these two monks were new at it. And they both decided that they were going to be the best bowers in the Zen center. They said that they made it into the Bowing Olympics. <laughs> I believe one of them injured himself. I think he herniated a disc or something from bowing so vigorously. And, you know, when I, when I think about that, you know, I think what that must have looked like. I haven't gone into great depth with speaking to them about it, but I think about, you know, you're bowing and you're like looking at the next guy to see if he's bowing better than you and then you're going to bow better and bow faster and bow faster. <laughs> no wonder he hurt himself, right? But you know, how many of us have done things like that? Maybe not the bowing thing, but, but doing spiritual practice, looking for results, you know? Doing a prayer, and I release these words to the mystery. Did it work yet? You know? That's not exactly release, okay? <laughs> 
also meditating. <laughs> Am I enlightened? Maybe if I... No, still not. Okay, let me try it again. No, still not enlightened. Just, you know, looking for results in, in our spiritual work. And, and service is certainly, truly a divine aspect of spiritual work that, that draws us into the reality of non-duality and into the kingdom in the garden and into the knowing that the kingdom and the garden are one and that we are that power and that presence of life that seeks to express, but we only get there through grace and humility. We only understand it through complete surrender and through understanding that there is something greater than our small self, than our ego self that wants to work through us always. So there's that. And then to make it more personal, you know, how have I or perhaps we sometimes served in a way that is mm, less than, less than pure? <laughs> I know that I've sometimes served from a place of wanting to get something, wanting a result, needing a specific result. When I first started at the church, and this keeps revisiting me all of the time, you know, this is a job of service for sure. There's a lot of service involved. And then sometimes I just want people to be different, you know? Or I want the numbers to be different, or I want the money to be different. And I serve in that capacity saying, okay, maybe this will work, right? But what if it's not that? Am I, am I the only person who's done that? Serving, being very attached to a specific result and then it needs to look like this way. If I serve in this capacity, maybe it'll turn out like that. I see some of you elbowing each other, Mia. And <laughs> uh, you know, I was thinking about the, um, the three temptations of Jesus. Is, is there anybody here who's not familiar with the story of the three temptations of Jesus? Don't be shy. Raise your hands. Stand up and we'll act it out for you. No. So Jesus goes into the, into the wilderness, and, and I'm going to, I should have had somebody like David Kerrigan come up here and tell this story, because I, I generally mess up the Bible badly. But I have my own, like, movie script of the Bible, my own musical of the Bible. In fact, you know, Jesus Christ Superstar, hello, that's how I know the passion story. But, uh, you know, Jesus went into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and the devil first said to him, let's get these stones and make them into bread. Won't that be cool? Won't that make you really, really cool? And Jesus said, no, man does not live by bread alone. And so, to me, that is the temptation of dependency on external results as our spiritual food, right? And sometimes we do that in service. We are dependent upon external results to feed us. To feed, it's not really feeding our spirit, it's feeding our ego. We're dependent upon external results. The second temptation, as I recall, is that um, the, the devil, Satan, brings, um, <laughs> and by Satan, you know, again, I mean ego or the darker part of ourselves, which, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. I could do a whole lecture about how the shadow is important and the separate self is important too, but we're just going to trust that we don't believe in hell here and we're not going to, like, you know, doom you if you have a dark, dark side because we all have one. I have a dark side. Raise your hand if you do not have a dark side. All right, all right. <laughs> please, please, <laughs> let me um, just step down <laughs> and all y'all come up here and do the talk for me. How's that, okay? All right. So anyway, 
You guys crack me up. I love you so much. So, um, but the, the devil brings Jesus, Satan brings Jesus up, and he shows him all of this wealth, and he says, if you bow down and worship me, this can be yours. And I think that's about power. You know, if you bow down and worship your ego, if your ego worships material goods and, and, um, and wealth and all of that, that's about, that's about trying to establish power in a worldly way when really spiritual power is much different. Spiritual power has all, everything to do with what I spoke about before, grace and humility. So, you know, and in service, again, I think that's clutching at results. That's clutching at changes, you know. I was in this conversation the other day, and it's like, well, how do you know that your volunteer program is working? I mean, you have, have to have a lot of volunteers, and you have to have retention. And the people I was speaking with, the monks, were saying, no, that's not exactly it. It's much more about personal transformation. And by the way, personal transformation is not about personal perfection. It is about transformation that opens us up to see the wholeness of everything and the transformation that invites other people into service as well so that they can experience the benefits of service and personal transformation. You see how different that is? than bowing down to numbers about how good your volunteer program has to be, how good your... Um, your service needs to be, how you need to impress people with your service, because that's another one, too. You know, the, the other temptation of Jesus is, oh, yeah, that one, that's my favorite one. So um, <laughs> that's my favorite one to do, um, is, is the, the devil says, you know, cast yourself down and we'll have angels bind you up and that'll prove your power. <sighs> now, I don't know about all y'all, <laughs> but sometimes ministers try and out-spiritualize each other. We try and, in a group, show who is the most spiritual, <laughs> who is the most connected to the divine, sometimes even who is the most non-dual, which is a contradiction, by the way. <laughs> Just wondering, you know, in your conversations privately, perhaps after the service, at six feet apart, why don't you bellow to each other how, how, you, how you interact with these temptations? How do you ever try and prove yourself through service? Do you ever try and cling to results? Do you ever try and gain excessive, some type of power through service, some type of power or dominion over the people that you're serving? It's all temptations, and it's all beautiful because we get to look at it. We get to look at it. Richard Rohr says that the shadow is not the problem. It's the separate self. And what happens with the shadow is that sometimes we're so afraid of it, the separate self is so afraid of it that it won't look at it. And, and we, we are beyond the separate self. We are learning to move beyond the separate self and realize that everything is one, both the light and the shadow, that the shadow is essential to the light. And so from this place of unitive consciousness, recognizing that the separate self is just an illusion, we can look at the shadow with grace and, and gladness and a sense of humor about it. I mean, who thinks this stuff up, people? This, this weirdness that we are, and then start to work with it from that place of grace and joy and humor and see that, that really it's all here for our unfolding. And then we simply do hmm, the quiet practice of the better. We don't have to beat the separate self or the shadow into submission. We just do the quiet practice of the better. The quiet practice of the better means letting go of external needs, letting go of the needs of the ego, letting go of the needs to impress, letting go of the needs to serve from a place where we, we f fear that we're not going to get enough out of it. I forgot one, one of the, I think, what is one of the most tragic elements of service in the ego is that some people don't serve because they think they don't have anything to offer. Are you aware of that? Have you ever experienced that? 
you know, either seen it in yourself or someone else. And that's a big stinking lie, people. It's a big stinking lie. Everybody has something to offer. Everybody has something to offer. But if, you know, often what happens is that we get caught up in the idea that service has to be huge, and then we feel like we have nothing to offer, but service does not have to be huge. In fact, in infinity, in the infinite, small is large. Because <laughs> many small acts create wondrous things. So I'm knowing for everybody here, and everybody listening, and everybody not listening, who are going to be getting their butts to this church soon <laughs> to help reinvent it, I'm knowing that you have something magnificent to offer and that together we can cultivate those gifts and draw them out and create this magnificent center that blesses the world in a whole new way. And that blessing of the world is the same thing as saying it blesses our lives individually and it blesses our lives as a community. Hmm. So... Hmm. Before when I said that I was preaching to the choir, I had put a, um, a question on Facebook about when you serve, what, what causes you to serve? And really, you know, the answers that I got were just so beautiful. I couldn't, there were too many, I couldn't write them all down, but um, that's what really made me think that I was preaching to the choir. Like a lot of us know this, and this, this, um, this message is really just about amplifying what we already know for ourselves. When I looked for emergent themes in what was written down on Facebook. And if you can think of a way for me to share it on a broader spectrum, I'd be happy to do that because it really is a beautiful thing to learn from the wisdom of the people sitting around us in this group. It's, you know, it's not like the wisdom is all up here. The wisdom is, is in, in the sacred circle that, we are forming, that we're forming together, forming and reforming together. But um, there are a lot of people doing the work of kindness already. Some of the themes that emerged were serve where you are, and you will be guided to serve wherever you are needed. The rewards of service can be something as simple as making someone smile. Some of us learned about service early in church and in my personal favorite, Girl Scouts. Service has a profound impact through the ripple effect. We serve the universe when we serve. Service is bliss, service is empowerment. And then this one, through our service, we invite others to serve. If the whole world serves, if the whole world serves from the consciousness of bringing the kingdom of grace and humility into the garden, if the whole world serves without attachment to results, if the whole world understands that small acts make a difference, if the whole world understands that poem that Hugh read by Gabriela Mistral, about how the wind serves and the soil serves and what a privilege it is to be in this place called planet Earth, in this garden called planet Earth, which is also the kingdom of grace and humility. If the whole world serves from that place of consciousness, then the whole world is changed. And to quote Gandhi, to paraphrase Gandhi, we here sitting in this sacred sanctuary, we are that change that we wish to bring forth into the world. And I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that we can do it if we choose to, and if we want to, and if we're inspired to. We get to inspire each other, which is awesome, which is awesome.
I love the wisdom of what people wrote. And that is hopefully, if you have any ideas about how to do this, a way that I'd like to see our church evolve is to learn from each other more rather than just having me yakking up here every Sunday. <laughs> to have like more input and more opportunities for us to learn from each other. You know, that's why the classes are so valuable. But can we bring that energy into Sundays too where we're learning from each other? I'm not quite sure how to do that, but I stand open to the service and the consciousness that evolves through that. You know, to call upon the collective wisdom because there's a lot of it here. So in the spirit of what I just said, I am going to call upon the collective wisdom of one of us. And that would be, I'm going to tell a little story about her first, and then I'm going to call her up to speak. Um, for the last several years, actually many years, we've had wonderful youth and family directors, uh, Carol Lotz and Reverend Judy Pando, Jill, who is here today, and Shelley, and I may be leaving somebody out, I can't remember. But Shelly was the most recent one during the pandemic, and Shelly has a business that, that's taking off now, and she needs to spend time working with this business. And she contacted me and said that she was stepping down. And rather than going to a place of fear and scarcity, I did a spiritual practice where I covenanted with the Holy Spirit and I looked up, because that's what we taught in devotion class, I looked up, look up, my, lift up mine eyes to the hills from which cometh my help. I looked up and I said, Spirit, provide us with a new director of youth and family. I covenant with thee. I of myself will do nothing but stand by and be your servant. And then I got a phone call. And here she is. Let's give a round of applause for Susie Thatcher. <laughs> use your singers, use your singers, Mike. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you want to stand for your little book there? Yeah. Okay. I can help you. It's all right. All right. Go ahead. All right. I'm so honored to be here today to tell you a little bit about what inspired me, Bonnie, and God <laughs> oh, to <thank> serve <laughs> as youth director. I have been so excited, um, yeah, big surprise. My passion is theater, performance, and working with children. And I've been doing that all of my career as a special education teacher. Um, and I had this idea, and it came up, um, it comes up again and again and again um, about um, providing a theater program for children here at the center. And being involved then with our, with our Sunday school, with our youth, and finding ways for them to, through the arts, be part of the church, feel more of an integral part of this church. Um, now, I had no idea that Shelly was stepping down, but of course, God works in mysterious ways. Mm -hmm. And so, suddenly, all of this seemed to happen at the same time. And when I get excited about something, I got to share it with everyone. So I was sharing my idea about this theater with Barb, who is my storytelling partner, um, and, um, and uh, Annette, who said, oh, I think you might want to share this with Bonnie. <laughs> and I shared it with Bonnie. And then it turns out that Shelly had just submitted her resignation. And Bonnie said, well, why don't you do both? <laughs> and... As usual, <laughs> my head said, uh, no, but my heart said, oh, 
yes, <laughs> yes. And then, of course, I knew Bonnie was praying on it, so I knew not a prayer not to, right? <laughs> it's happening. It's happening. I'm a retired school teacher, but I work every day with students. I retired from the district, and I work online with students who are homeschooled with their special education needs. So uh, retirement, I guess, is just not in the cards for me, and I'm quite happy. <laughs> but I have this vision for the youth that I'm so excited about to bring them into the church, to go in and work with them in, what, in the curriculum and aligned with what Bonnie's talking about each month and teach them a song, teach them a dance, have them write a scene, bring them in each month mm -hmm. to be part of this service. And the rest of my idea, because I really get excited about intergenerational theater, we need the children to be with role models and adults. So I would like to choose from the congregation each month someone to provide a cameo performance that will be working with us, Bernie, when I do decide that we'll teach them something on the ukulele, Bernie will be my first call. Um, I'll probably be calling upon you. Big surprise. We're going to be telling stories. We're going to be doing learning dances, a little choreography. And it's a way for the depths of those, those beautiful people, those beautiful young people, through the arts, they can perform. They're, it's magical. It's not a grown-up thing, but it is a grown-up thing. I've seen magic all the way through my career where I've done um, plays with profoundly challenged students, and I had people tell me, well, they can't do that. Well, if a student's nonverbal, yes, they can. You record their lines into a recorder or in their communicator, and they know when their cue is, and they push their button, and they do their line. I've seen students who were so painfully um, shy that um, they barely said anything, and I gave them a costume and some lines, and there they were. Mm. Uh, just cut, they come alive. It's beautiful. Thank you. I can see that that's resonating with you. <laughs> and obviously, it resonates with me, and I think I got five minutes, so Bonnie's going to get the hook. But that is, my, <laughs> that is my vision for the youth and all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'll be calling you. Yes. <laughs> good, um, good. But I wanted to yes, say yes, real please. quickly, yeah. because Bonnie asked me how that type of service would bless the world. Well, we're already blessed. It's already happening. Look at all of you. You say yes. And I've been living in the, the yes zones um, for quite a while now. So um, thank you for all of you. And I would appreciate any, um, all of that every bit of connection we make with that youth and bringing them in and making them know I am an important part of the service and it doesn't exist without my service too. That, that we are modeling everything we say we want to do mm. and it means everything to me. So thank you again. Oh, Susie, thank you. Thank you so much. That was perfect. Thank you. Thank you. So you see what God can do when you let go, right? Right, perfect. Susie was so funny when she called me to explain this to me. She's like, she's, I could feel you trying to sell it to me. You know, she's selling, she's going on and on and on. I'm like, Susie, stop. You had me at theater. 
You know, that was the first, like the first sentence she said. So, so that's what we're looking at. You know, we're looking at new ideas to, to, um, prom to inspire these values in, in all of us and, and then henceforth inspire the world. And, and it's not, it's, it's, I, have to, I have to keep reminding myself, it's never going to be linear. I read a lot of books about what you're supposed to do with a church, and I try it all, and it never works for this church. <laughs> and I think it's because, I think it's because we are, we're a mystical center, which means that we're nonlinear, and we have to do things as Spirit calls us. And Spirit is going to call us in different ways. It's going to call us in ways that sometimes seem a little kooky at times. You know, I was looking at a bunch of different ministries that we can do just um, off the top of my head, and one of them was the Ministry of Appreciation. And I have somebody in mind for that, but I'm not going to make eye contact because she hasn't said yes yet. <laughs> but a ministry of appreciation or a ministry of where we get to identify how people can serve, a ministry of amplification of people's gifts. What gifts do you have that you could, you could offer in some small way that will bless all of us? You know, the churches where everybody has one little thing to do, and it's never little, but it seems little to the person doing it, those churches are the ones that just develop this grace and this love that's just palpable when you walk in the door. Another ministry I thought of this was from my friends at service space they call it they have a ministry that they call the cia <laughs> that means compassion in action now maybe we could rethink the name a little <laughs> but just just things like that are waiting for us they are waiting for us all we need to do is cross the threshold with our spiritual practice and our grace and our humility and our willingness to just say yes and trust god and trust the holy spirit and trust love and just allow ourselves to be open you know, back to the, the thing that I started with about bringing the kingdom into the garden. I was reminded of this uh, documentary I watched on Gaia about Ram Dass recently. And for those of you who may not know him, Ram Dass is over there sitting next to the Dalai Lama, sitting next to that horrible picture of me in that curly wig. Thank you very much, Brian Eller. <laughs> and and um, Ram Dass studied in India with a guru called uh, Neem Karoli Baba. And when it came time to leave India and go back to the States and go back to the world, real world, he said to his guru, how am I going to bring what I've gained here into the real world? How am I going to bring this kingdom into the garden? And Neem Karuli Baba just said, it's easy. Love, serve, and remember. And those words are on our balcony, in case you didn't know. Love, serve, and remember. So when I remember, I can look at them. And what I know about those words, love, serve, and remember, is that love compels us to serve. When we really love, we are compelled to serve. It's not optional. We are compelled to serve. And when we serve, guess what? We are compelled to love. It's no longer optional. We serve and we are compelled to love. And in this mobiosity, in this mobius strip of love and service, where there is no inside and there is no outside, there is this surrounding essence of remembrance. All of it, love and service, helps us remember what we are and who we are. And that's what we're doing here in this mystical center of non-duality where we are bringing the kingdom into the garden. Let's do that now and let us pray. Thanks for listening to this week's Old Holy Chit, a spiritual podcast with Reverend Bonnie Rose. If you like what you hear come join us in person at the Ventura Center for Spiritual Living. Check us out online at www.venturacsl.org. Be sure to subscribe. And so it is.